We bought the flask and the headphones. Why do you have lemon juice? What are you doing, you mad lad? Well, there, it's monarch lemon juice. I don't, I don't, I don't have that one yet. I don't I'm so confused. Well, no, we only have like 140 different sauce packs. This makes 141. I'm so confused. It's a long story. It must be because anyway, I have no... Welcome back to Earth. Mark's Yeah, Madness. oh, good. Good. Yeah, don't welcome back to Mark's Madness like this is a thing. Hey, it's the podcast where we read Marx's stuff. You That's know what right. we are. You know That's why you're right. here. <laughs> boop, boop. Speaking of, uh, chapter five. Oh, oh, before chapter five. Got, oh, yep, yep. All right, All welcome right. to a new segment in Mark's Madness called People Listen Now, so we have to do corrections when we fuck up. <laughs> David, take it away. David has fucked up. Oh, no, yeah. Nathan will fuck up nine times out of ten. David's just responsible for correcting it because I will never admit mistake. Okay, but here's the thing. For people that know me outside of the podcast, David has fucked up is very common refrain. In this case, I did it on the podcast, so we're going to correct it. So the other day, the word anarcho-cynicalist came up. Um, I think Lenin was mentioning it serving reaction. Yeah, I think you like the, the, two, the twin somethings of reaction. Yeah, yeah. And uh, me, as a dumb, dumb, dummy head, had my head all mixed up and was describing anarcho-primitivism. From the flag colors to the beliefs, all of it. Anarcho-cynicalism is a anarchism via unionized worker movement. It's the red and black flag. Uh, people in America are familiar with the IWW, for example. Mm, okay. Now, the IWW is a very federalized organization. Uh, so there are, like, absolute comrades in the IWW who are fucking saints. Yep. Um, the IWOC is where most of them reside. Yep. Uh, which is the incarcerated workers... Uh part of the yeah. I, I, IWW. Uh, but the IWW overall is disorganized, has a lot of different feelings, and uh, it's kind of the anarchism where like, if, you know, we're not we're not trade unions, so we're one big union. Okay, cool. And if you go against the union, you're going against the workers. Well, so the union's your party? Oh, no, no, we're anarchists. And, you know, so it kind of it kind of leads us disorganized, decentralized movement. And so you could have a lot of weird beliefs and reaction within that. Um, you could have nationalism come within that. You could have people in the IWW like stumping for Rahava and all kinds of imperialist garbage. Uh, so it can very much serve reaction, which is what I was thinking, which is what I think now that I realize I made the mistake Lenin was talking about. Yep. Um, so that's anarcho-cynicalism. Anarcho-primitivism is the people that want to create a little commune and go live in the woods and pretend the world is. And there's absolutely a, very, a valid difference between the two of them, and yes. it is why. So, so shout out to at CLQ, uh, CL Queen. I'm going with that. I'm going to now pronounce that. And next week's, next week's, we're sorry, will be uh, Nathan mispronouncing your Twitter <laughs> handle. I'm so sorry. Um, a burden spider on Twitter. Thank you for pointing that out. And anyone, seriously, uh, Mark, at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter, if we F up, Call us on it now. If you're wrong, we will we will we will ridicule you incessantly on the podcast. We won't do that. Um, but uh, but if you think we got something wrong, or we want, we will absolutely admit when we got and, something wrong. And if you don't have Twitter, just me message us on um, like a, a comment section on iTunes. Send a raven. Send it, send it. Don't do it in the comment section on iTunes. What is wrong with you? Don't. ITunes? That's not how that works. What, are you going to leave a review and say you fucked up something on episode five? That's not how this works. Guys, Just if you can do stars, that, if you're going stars. to leave us that, go, we'll create a Gmail. We have a Gmail. 
I think we have what's the what's the Gmail? Uh Mark's Madness Pod at gmail.com. Yeah, that it's it's the it's the thing. I'll link it. Let here. Me, let me double check that. That'll be our correct. Going forward, episode. going in the show notes. Go if you if we fucked up, go to the notes of the thing you're listening to this on. There'll be a link to an email address. You can send <laughs> us an email and tell us we're wrong, and we will uh, listen to it if we agree. You no, know, we'll listen to it one way or another. Um, but that being said, that being said, chapter five. Chapter 5. Uh, no, that being said, no. We have one more addendum we need to make. Oh, and this God. probably is more because... <laughs> no, this is not another sneak attack. We're going to do another reading you haven't done, David. Okay, so good. so you, you can breathe easy. Um, this is the addendum of... The playoffs are happening in hockey. And uh, uh, a large majority of the population does not have to care about that uh, because garbage, you know, it, it organized sports can kind of be a garbagey thing to begin with. Yeah, but all, got, it is it I is me sports, and David's garbagey thing. Huh? I love sports, but all sports are bad. Exactly. Like, it's, a, it's a hard thing to reconcile. Objective. We try our bests. Um, uh, so there will definitely... Nathan is going to have to be editing around. This is the editing gauntlet that Nathan will have to go through is editing around the various loud noises when something good and or bad happens during the hockey. But if I'm lazy and leave in some veil, uh, some reaction, just know that uh, uh, let, let's go blues and uh, and everyone in Winnipeg, I don't like you. So, uh, so <laughs> how you like me now? If you're comrades, you're comrades. If you're comrades, you're comrades. But for the next it. seven games, get out of here. Yeah. Um, chapter five. The economic basis of the withering away of the state. Uh, Marx explains this question most thoroughly in his critique of the Gotha program. Good thing we just went over the critique of the Gotha program last week, guys. It's weird. It's almost like we planned this. Um, so, the, again, that's why we're doing them in this order, because this should, again, give us a good ramp up. You should, If you're listening to these back to back, you should feel really comfortable with what we're about to talk about. But for those of us that haven't done it for two and a half weeks, let's go. Marx's presentation of the question. From a superficial comparison of Marx's letters to Brach, of, Brach. <laughs> I never looked up how to say that, and I don't care. Brach. Correct me on it if you want. We are phlegm. Brach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of May 5th, 1875, with Engels' letter to Babel of March 28th, 1875. Stay tuned for that. Uh, which we yeah. examined above. Yeah, that's, that's probably coming. Uh, it might appear that Marx was much more of a champion of the state than Engels, and that the difference of opinion between the two writers on the question of the state was very considerable. Engels suggested to Babel that all chatter about the state should be dropped altogether and that the word state be eliminated from the program altogether and the word community substituted for it. Engels even declared that the commune was no longer a state in the proper sense of the word. Yet Marx even spoke of the future state in communist society, i.e. he would seem to recognize the need for the state even under communism. But such a view would be fundamentally wrong. We all know that. You've all been here before. You know how this goes. Yeah. Uh, have you been on Twitter lately? Argue with anarchists on Twitter and 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 then just bang your head against the wall and keep referring them back to chapter five until their heads bleed. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a running theme in this book is anarchists are good, anarchists are well-intentioned, anarchists are comrades, anarchists are short-sighted in their theory and that short-sightedness serves reaction versus social democrats are opportunists. Yes. Now, what that means is the other chapter... We are slamming down on social democrats, and we are going, anarchists, look, we said this shit about you, and it's true, but we like you. We're, we lifted you back up a little bit. This is the chapter we kind of go, yeah, but you still fucked up right here and smack them back down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, a, and it's important because, again, it is... It, it, 
and we have again. I got. <laughs> I guess we, by extension, since I I drug I'm dragging the Mark's Madness name through Twitter uh, uh, on a on a solo rocket ship to the sky these days. But uh, <laughs> I, we got it. We were going around and around, and it is just it, when you argue with people that are like quoting Lenin at you, but very obviously just are like complete op it is literally like opposite town it's like what whoa, 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 whoa. So you're quoting state and revolution at me to explain why states are bad and we do- uh, dude did you read the book it's right here we did but it's important because some if you want to misread enough, something way back to chapter one paragraph one this book is about misquoting theory it really really is and if it gets that right by quoting theory <laughs> over and over and over again, yeah. interspersed with Lenin dunks. Uh, but such a view would be fundamentally wrong. A closer examination shows that Marx and Engels' view on the state and its withering away were completely identical and that Marx's expression quoted above refers to the state in the process of withering away. Of course their views are identical. They edit, Engels edited his books. They were the same. They were talking. They were like a two-headed man. They did the same things. It's just they talked differently. What is the Engels quote about, uh, or the Marx quote about, you're the best friend I could ever have? And Oh, oh the, the the beginning of the, the Marx anime that I know is out there now. It exists. I have to find it. I must acquire the Marx anime because it, it absolutely yeah. is a thing. Um, but yeah, no, it is absolutely the beginning of the, the Marx-Engels version of the notebook. Yeah, something, uh, something, friend. Right now, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get it. We're, we're, this will be edited out. You won't remember. Um, <laughs> the, the apparent difference between Marx and Engels is due to the fact that they dealt with different subjects and pursued different aims. Huh? It's almost like you need some context for what people are talking about, or you could just take anything out and and make it seem like something else. This happens all the fucking time on the internet. I think it is best uh, illustrated by. Apparently now the Nazis were super liberal guys. They were super lefties. Did yeah. you know? Yeah. They're yeah. super lefties now, guys. Because the internet said so. Because there's oh, yeah. times. I, I, wait, I want to clarify here. Okay. Oh, good. So, Please do. So, so uh, new Marx Madness segment, because Nathan always throws the economist at me. Stupid shit, David Brooks said. Oh, yeah. No, I always throw the Wall Street <laughs> Journal at you. You, oh, welcome. Yeah, okay. You can you can throw the economist at Nathan. This is okay, good. Well, no, I mean, I'm throwing David Brooks at you. This is, uh, I think, New York Times, isn't he? Oh, do you think I give anyway, a fuck about I, This is not Chapo. I don't follow these no, fuckers. Okay. I don't care. So, so David Brooks gets on there, and he quotes someone else's. Uh, so he wasn't even quoting his own article. He quotes someone else's article that's like the conservative or some conservative reason or some bullshit, obviously, right-wing publication. Uh, and it makes this folk singer guy that I've never heard of who very clearly uh, was some kind of anarcho-primitivist or some kind of decolonial that was getting badly misquoted. Now, I don't know why you don't know about Bob Dylan. He's a fairly cultural icon. He was a, it's he, not Bob Dylan. Who was that guy's name? I have no idea. You said yeah. folk singer, and I assume there's like two of them. It's him and what? Like, but anyway. Jim Croce? I got, I got nothing here. But uh, anyway, David Brooks says, oh, this is the party we need. It's uh, socially conservative and fiscally liberal. Oh, fiscally yeah. No, I I definitely saw someone tweet the fact that we need a party that's socially conservative and fiscally liberal, so, and my brain imploded. Yeah, so I want to be very clear, and I, I said this on Twitter, people do follow me, but again, the world isn't Twitter. That's why we're educating. So for anyone who did, doesn't follow me or doesn't do Twitter or just doesn't know this, uh, when David Brooks says the left or a uh, fiscally left, He's not talking about socialism, where, like, 
you know, we seize the means of production. He's talking about social programs. Yeah. Okay. And social programs, when they're considered left, but socially conservative, tend to be white exclusive. That's the way the New yeah. Deal was. Welfare, but only if it's means tested and only if you don't use it to get abortions. Yes. Now... Um, I don't know how that works. Anyway, uh, but the most socially conservative people have, that have ever been are, of course, fascists. And left-right isn't a perfect paradigm, okay? But obviously, fascists were the farthest right people, not only socially, but they suckled up to corporations. They, like, they were a reaction to the fact that everything's going to monopolies, so they formalized government monopolies with contracts, privatization. They suckled corporations like nobody else. So... Now, don't sell America right now. Sure, we suckle a good damn corporation. But, I mean, Nazis are, like, Gerald Ford loved these guys for a reason, right? I mean, these Nazis... I mean, Jeff Bezos puts on a Patagonia sweater and goes and hangs out with Donald Trump. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. I got you, but there's a reason Mercedes-Benz and Hugo Boss are a thing. Okay, uh, because be they make clear. a damn fine silhouette? No. I don't know. I don't no, know what you're talking about. they had the Nazi contracts for the tags I'm and shit, a, I'm, I'm, So, I know, but maybe the listeners know. Uh, well, you didn't get this far and not realize that Mercedes-Benz and Hugo Boss are Nazis. I'm sorry, okay, you didn't. Fair, fair. Okay, so anyway. You didn't find us if you know, don't know those things. We're not that good yeah. yet. So anyway, they're clearly socially and physically right. But what David Brooks is talking about is social programs. Well, by the squishy left-right... He's probably what he thinks of as left would fit the Nazis because they had New Deal style social programs called the NSV. So when you're talking in David Brooks idea of fiscally left plus socially conservative, that is literally a call for Nazis. Yeah. Like David Brooks literally said, we need a Nazi party <laughs> on Twitter. God damn it. Yeah. No, that that jives. That absolutely would add up. No, that that's a thing. In other news, Nathan time for the segment. Boop, 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 boop. No, we're going now. No, because you did this. You opened the door. This God is welcome. Welcome to Mark's Madness does Chapo Trap House. Uh, because that's just a thing now. Um, where is it? Where is it? God damn it! I'm gonna. I ain't gonna find it. There was an article in Bloomberg that basically was like, "No, guys, we should totally reform uh, uh, capitalism instead of burn it to the ground." And it literally had to acknowledge. You can smell the desperation. Oh, you can't. And that's why at, at, very soon they're going. And this, someone said, someone must have tweeted this on. It had to be on Twitter. But it, someone had said they're gonna buy into Bernie very quick here because they're gonna realize real quick that it's Bernie or the actual revolution is coming. Yeah. <laughs> like then, those are their options. Bernie will pacify enough people that we won't get to full on revolution. Well, the worst part is they're gonna like lead out like it was all their idea and they're your oh yeah buddies. They're on your side. As soon as as soon as they they as soon as they realize that no one knows who Butt Chug is or whatever the fuck his name yeah. is, um, then then they will eventually cave to Bernie. There's, but yeah, and and something's gonna come out of like Silicon Valley where like you can rent an apartment with an app for a month at a time, and it's gonna be like fifty bucks a month cheaper than a low income <laughs> apartment for a few months, and then they're gonna be your buddies that's your friend, and then they'll spike the price up and everybody's fucked. I landlord. Something yeah, like I that. I don't. I don't know. I just assume that's how apps work now. Because I'm an old person. Uh, no, but the uh, no, the literally they, they they were like, hey, they were saying like great, like hey, you know, you should probably stop focusing on things like GDP when it comes to talking about like whether your society is well built or not. 
That's fucking Bloomberg. Like, that, guys. That's a correct statement. It's a correct. He's not saying that. But it's like, you're going further down. And it's like, yeah, you, and maybe you need to focus on. So maybe, maybe we just need to cooperate a little bit. And, and Cuba, they're not going to say, oh, you should focus on standard of living. Check out Cuba. No, no, it's, oh, man, school got more important. It literally, this was part of the article. And I remember because I just, like, screamed. They, they said, we should have universal health care because everywhere else has done it. Do it, you stupids. And okay. At this point, that it's so stupid that like five years ago that was radical. But now it's like, yeah, fucking duh. Like, yeah, obviously. That's like the bare fucking minimum. Sure. And that solves one. They had like four things that they were worried about. It was like education cost, health care cost, housing cost, uh, and child care cost. Yeah. Um, were the four things that they were really worried about. They're like, well, you can you can universal health care and you take care of the health care part. Now that's out. And I'm like, okay, good job. And then they're like, and for child care, you can like ramp up child care tax credit incentives. I'm like, nope, you're locked. Nope, you're up. Nope, bye. Go. Cut. <laughs> Cut from the team. The second I need a fucking accountant to understand what the fuck you're doing, go. Be gone. I don't want you. Um, <laughs> this is unnecessary. Um, there are easier ways to do that, sir. And uh, Number three was housing. And all they basically said was, yeah, it's, a, it's like 2008 all over again. We should do something about that. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. And then they got to education. And literally their line for education was, many things could be done to curtail education costs. Moving on. Like, they don't even mention anything. Like, they have one idea. And their idea is universal health care. And then the rest of it, they're like, eh, eh, eh. We'll ask nicely and maybe they'll give it to us. It's like, yeah, God. I mean, they're never going to actually give you those things. Plus, there's going to be some wonk in the Democratic Party that's going to, like, you know. It, it, I mean, it's not like universal health care wasn't a, a thing that people were fighting for in the 90s. I mean, there's no, going to be some. It's been. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be some wonk in the Democratic Party that's that's going to go, hey, Heritage Foundation, how should we really yeah, do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. And. Should yeah, we just, I, I think we need to change, anyway, we, change we'll that save, discourse. We'll save a little bit of that for labor aristocracy because we're going to get into imperialism. Okay, good, because I know nothing about that, so I don't know what the foreshadowing is. Yeah. Good uh, times. So neither do the listeners, or hopefully they do, but if they don't. You know, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Um, so yeah. let's... Coming. All right, back to chapter five. We're like a page in. We're fucked. <laughs> the apparent difference between Marx and Engels due to the fact that they dealt with different subjects pursued different aims. Engels set out to show Babel graphically, sharply, and in broad outline the utter absurdity of the current prejudices concerning the state, shared to no small degree by LaSalle. Y'all remember LaSalle. <laughs> Marx only touched upon this question in passing, being interested in another subject, the development of communist society. That's why they played well together. Angle, no bullshit. Get to the... Co- look, look, you're an idiot. Stop it. Stop being wrong about stuff. This you is, this is stupid. Route, you run the underneath route. Somebody's getting over. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we skip a couple paragraphs down to a fun giant Marx quote from Gotha. Present day society is capitalist society, which exists in all civilized countries, being more or less free from medieval admixture, more or less modified by the particular historical development of each country, more or less developed. On the other hand, the present day state changes with the country's frontier. It is different in the Prusso-German Empire from what it is in Switzerland, and different in England from what it is in the United States. The present day state, therefore, is a fiction. Nevertheless, the different states of the different civilized countries, in spite of their motley diversity of form, all have this in common, that they are based on modern bourgeois society, only one more or less capitalistically developed. They have, therefore, also certain essential characteristics in common. In this sense, it is possible to speak of the present-day state in contrast with the future, in which its present root, bourgeois society, will have died off. The question then arises, what transformation will the state undergo in communist society? 
In other news, what social functions will remain in existence there that are analogous to present state functions? This question can only be answered scientifically, and one does not get a flea hop near to the problem by a thousand-fold combination of the word people with the word state. Y'all remember that one from last time. It was fun. <laughs> Never gets old. I'm going to keep using that quote till the end of time, because goddamn it, flea hop nearer is just the best goddamn words ever. Go, Marks. So again, we got into this in Gotha. Saying things like free... And again, this is the argument you will have. You will go around and around, like, anarchists. Just read them that paragraph. It... It is, it is insane, and you can combine it with horizontal organization, vertical integration, flow, mechanism, decentralized. You're not going to just will yourself to another state of, like, there's going to have to be, like, some grounding in reality. There's going to have to be some transition where certain vestiges of the state that you've always known will still be there in some capacity, but what is their capacity? It, does it have a... How is it going to serve in communist society? What 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 purpose will it serve in this new society that we have created? You're not going to snap your fingers the second you gain any kind of power and go, ah, power class gone. Yeah. Ta-da, woo! It's, it's, and so if it's going to take time to degrade, how do you know it didn't just come back? And to, gonna, how are you going to defend yourself from outside invasion? You, you need to take the state and you need to destroy it, put in place a state that, that defends you, defends the rights for the workers puts the workers in power as a dictatorship over the bourgeoisie and withers away itself. And again, your model for this, if you want one other than the Soviet Union, was the Paris Commune. That was an absolute way to do it. What were the failings of the Paris Commune? The anarchist ones, the ones that didn't, the ones that refused to acknowledge that a state ever could exist or should exist in any capacity. And therefore, let's not Again, I would love to hear the, the Padonist explain to me how doing loans with the French was not a state action or something like that. Like, not seizing the bank is is in the anarchist interest. Somehow, I don't know. Um, I get the use of force. You guys can fuck off to Versailles. Can we borrow some money? Yeah, I get the not wanting to... Like, I get the you don't want to march on Versailles because force, bad... Nah, I don't know. Um, but I, I could actually see a case... Kind of a Mexico America thing, of like if we march on Versailles, Otto von Bismarck comes and fucks us up himself. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But the bank. But the bank. But the bank. And all. I mean, again, just it is you. The failings of the commune were all, and they didn't utilize the existing power structure that was there to defend themselves long enough for their society to take root. And every single. Other revolution ad nauseum throughout history follows this, but the successful ones, the ones that hang around for more than a week, that's why every anarchist revolution that they'll point to is like, oh, how long did that go? Oh, like two and a half. It was like two and a half glorious weeks, guys, but it was awesome. It's like Coachella. It's like claiming Coachella is an anarchist like utopia. It doesn't work that way. Just, I mean, it, it's not Burning Man, guys. We've got to have like, it's got to go on longer than the weed runs out. Um, I, you've, I don't know how to explain this any other way. I know I'm oversimplifying this. I don't give a fuck. That's my role in this. But it, it, it you have to buck up and kind of like, it, it's really weird for a leftist. To, I feel like I'm taking a very conservative stance here of slap, 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 stop being delusional. Stop living in your fantasy land. Like reality is hard. Again. Now get the guns and let's go overthrow the government. Again, we just said it about David Brooks pumping up Nazis. Left, right is squishy and not it perfect. Is. And we need to think about more liberate 
people and get rid of class. And if there's one thing we're not, if there's one thing Marxism isn't, it's ideal. It's uh, idealistic. Yeah, it is very, very, very practical. Very. Uh, very to a fault almost, but goddamn it, it is. Um, so moving on, now that we've ridiculed the people state, uh, Marx formulated this question and gave warning, as it were, that those seeking a scientific answer to it should use only firmly established scientific data. Hey, it's almost like we're trying to do some science here, guys. The first fact that has been established most accurately by the whole theory of development, by science as a whole, a fact that was ignored by the utopians and is ignored by the present-day opportunists who are afraid of the socialist revolution, is that historically there must undoubtedly be a special stage or special phase of transition from capitalism to communism. Has to happen. You can point out very clear examples of societies that attempted to transition from capitalism to communism. You cannot point out one society that went from capitalism to communism. It is not possible. It does not exist. It cannot exist. It's like by definition. It just doesn't work that way. Section two, the transition from capitalism to communism. Guys, yeah. hint, hint. There's another step. Yeah. And, and for anybody wondering what that transition is, again, it's a little different in every state where, it is, where that exists now. It's a little different material conditions for people. But uh, a good example of a transitioning society is Venezuela. Yep. And uh, the way they're defending themselves against U.S. sanctions and coups, the way they have sharply, sharply reduced poverty and gained racial equality, uh, but they're still working on racial equality and poverty and seizing the means of production as the opportunity appears. And that's still doing it their way based on their set of cultural beliefs and their material conditions. Yeah. And it's, again, we, we you don't get to... You don't get to tell another society that you are not a part of, that you are not culturally tied to, in any meaningful way. You don't get to dictate to somebody else how their, how, not how their revolution goes, but how their society goes, how you run your society. That is not your, you are not going to be able to armchair say that, especially if your name is like Eichelbacher and you claim you're from <laughs> Venezuela, but you live in New York and you were born in Germany. And you're very, very concerned about your, you know, I don't know, traditional hacienda back home that you've never seen or been to. Yeah. Like, I'm very concerned uh, about you. what Nathan's referring to is the New York Times put uh, Joanna Hausman in a video. Uh, Joanna Hausman is a uh, daughter of literally the IMF person that took over Venezuela in the 90s, is the economic advisor to Guaido looking to ravage Venezuela again. And for as much as... Venezuela was bad before the uh, um, Bolivarian Revolution, and as much as Bolivarian Revolution at some point would have happened from the cycles of communism or from the cycles of capitalism crashing it down and, and communist revolution coming or socialist revolution coming uh, and, and any imperialist revolution coming at all, uh, it, it was probably sped up by how bad the economy is in the 90s because of how much Joanna Hausman's uh, father fucked, fucked up, up that economy. For the gain of capitalists, for the, the gain of the Milton Freeman types, and oh, he's fangs out ready to do it Chicago again. Chicago school motherfucker. I mean, he is he's got he's got his his Reaganomics just like 
pumped and ready to it's go. So, and this was a, a Venezuelan citizen that just is concerned, can't believe people would defend this dictator Maduro, and guys, they gave her some big-ass video. Guys, uh, if... If if the revolution took over tomorrow, if there was an actual, if, if Bernie Sanders was actually as socialist as everyone said he was, and he swept into power by popular vote by an you know an eighty, he won like Reagan in eighty four margins tomorrow, mm-hmm. and they put Kellyanne Conway on TV in like England going, they're taking all our food. Would that? No, it would be obviously bullshit. It would be nonsense. But it will happen. It will always happen. Oh, so why is it that you that every time you're way more willing to listen to that than you are the actual people on the ground that are there and Absolutely. the marches and the obvious eyewitness accounts of what is happening? Like it, we are so so ready to want to point out again. It's that fucking authoritarianism nonsense. It's that we, I, I that it that is it is it is pervasive to a level that is just scary, is that if you can yeah. point to one guy and claim that he is somehow or not, that this thing or the other is authoritarian, that is enough for it to be bad. Yeah, and to be clear, they'll, they'll be a little more subtle. We have enough uh, uh, enough goons to, to go out there. They're going to pick, like, the the comedian son of the CEO of U.S. Bank or something. You know, and they, and they won't say that. They'll just be, like, famous American person that's yeah. crying over... No, over no. it'll point. be Baron Trump on TV going, oh, no. <laughs> Was me. I'm on a list now. I'm sure. Um, Ted Cruz's daughter that's afraid to kiss him. Oh, <laughs> no, not afraid. Just rightfully, rightfully repulsed. There is a difference. There is ne- evolution kicks in and 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 absolutely does its job there. Oh, oh, Nelly. Oh, Nelly. I like the idea that Ted Cruz is someone who is not the fittest and thus should not survive. No, no. Again, Re- Roger Stone will be on, I don't know, whatever. His own species. His own thing. And he will be there pointing to the big giant Reagan thing on his back going, we're being oppressed here. Help. As we expropriate the fuck out of him. It'll Again. be Roger Stone's nephew. Oh. <laughs> Dick Stone. <laughs> they got to name someone in that family Dick oh, Stone. Back to the town. Richard God Stone. Dick Stone. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, the question was put as follows. To achieve its emancipation, the proletariat must overthrow the bourgeoisie, win political power, and establish its revolutionary dictatorship. Now the question is put somewhat differently. The transition from capitalist society, which is developing towards communism, to communist society is impossible without a political transition period, and the state in this period can only be the revolutionary dictatorship of the proletariat. What then is the relation of this dictatorship to democracy? We've seen that the Communist Manifesto simply places side by side the two concepts to raise the proletariat to the position of the ruling class and to win the battle of democracy. On the basis of all that has been said above, it is possible to determine more precisely how democracy changes in the transition from capitalism to communism. Again, context, we now know from our what we've been doing here, the Communist Manifesto was written pre-commune. If the Communist Manifesto, and, and they included an edit to it, they included in the next edition, uh, they included the Commune, but they didn't al- radically alter the text. If, if the Commune had happened, if, if, if the Manifesto had been written post-Commune, there would have been a much clearer delineation in that work, I think, of what the, the dictatorship of the proletariat would look like. But it didn't exist yet. They were fucking having to fucking think of this in the abstract, and they immediately corrected themselves and said, and we've gone through the quotes here, 
There it is. That's what it should look like. So again, just, you know, people, whoa, I'm quoting the text. Yeah, but our, our, what is the historical context surrounding that text? It's important. Um, in capitalist society, providing it develops under the most favorable conditions, we have a more or less complete democracy in the Democratic Republic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, oh, God, that's terrifying. But this democracy is always hemmed in by the narrow limits set by capitalist exploitation and consequently always remains, in effect, a democracy for the minority, only for the property classes. Only for the rich, period. We all know it. Everyone sees it. Not surprising. Mm -hmm. Freedom in capitalist societies always remains about the same as it was in the ancient Greek republics. Freedom for the slave owners. Ooh, that was, that was good. That was good, man. Owing to the conditions of capitalist exploitation, the modern wage slaves are so crushed by want and poverty that they cannot be bothered with democracy, cannot be bothered with politics. In the ordinary, peaceful course of events, the majority of the population is debarred from participation in public and political life. And that is a really, it's kind of, it's not, I don't want to say it's a throwaway line, um, but it's important. That is a huge, and you see that. I mean, I'm sure you saw it today, but God, or you saw it back, Lenin saw it then, obviously, but how fucking true is that? Yeah. Now, I mean. We're trying, yeah, I'm trying to work here. We don't have time for politics. Yeah, like, I don't have time. I, I, like, I mean, are you going to run for office? No. I don't have any time. No. How, how and it wouldn't be, and that's not even, and you and me both know, it, it, I, don't, I don't even think Lenin, I think Lenin here is even more, even more basically than that, just referring to having some sort of concept of it, being able, not even that I want to run for office, do I have the time to make an educated decision about what's going on in this democracy? Or am I just kind of like, no, I, I have to, I have to survive. I have to eat. I, this has nothing to do with intelligence or anything like that. It is, this is the game for, this is the game for people that can sit around and fucking, it, it, you don't have poor philosophers. Like you have to have some level of, well, this is, I mean, we talked about the, uh, uh, imperialist, um, propaganda yep. from the mainstream media, right? Uh-huh. Well, people turn to that because they, they don't have time to investigate no. the history of Venezuela and what's really going on there and, and all that stuff. They don't have that kind of time. And what is it? it it's citations, you know, what, it's like 75% of people don't read past the headline? Yeah. Like, we don't even read the whole thing. It's just a, it's a one, you've got one half a sentence to fucking give yeah, me I mean, all the information. they do the neutral language, like officer involved shooting it. You could read the article and find out it's a cop shot a guy who was unarmed and killed him. But instead, you read officer involved shooting one man dead, and you just think it's this like benign situation that happens. Yep, that just appears on it. And it, yeah. it, but again, I mean, you talk about the the are you running for? No, that is that is even more. I think fair. I think that's more baked into the the cloth of. Think about it in this country where it, where it is set the way it is set up right now. You cannot run for some sort of political office. Unless you already are have the mean, especially in yeah. Missouri, especially. So uh, our fun state, just in case you don't know, theoretically sounds like a really cool. Um, oh well, they're volunteer. They're they're not volunteers. They get a small stipend, and and some of them live on. You know, some of them sleep together and rent apartments together in Jefferson City. But they had their full time jobs back home, and that sounds kind of. It kind of sounds like the same. The uh, well, no one will make more than the workman's wage, and you have to. Until you actually interrogate that for like two or three seconds ago, 
uh-uh, no. The only fuckers that can afford to do that are people whose, A, either's job will just let you fuck off for six months at a time, um, B, are independently wealthy enough that you don't need a job and can fuck off for six months at a time, or or C, your job is flexible enough that you can do it while still doing Congress, which was the case for the senator I worked for when I worked in that hellscape. Um, and in that case, you're probably not really working that. Oh, no. No, 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 no. You, again, you've hit a level where you don't have to. You're, you're not engaged. So, again, I, Joe, working down at the 7-Eleven, do not have the opportunity to go, hey, boss, uh, I need, like, six months PTO so that I can go uh, advocate for our district to try and get some roads built down here. Is that cool? You good with that? No, of course you're not good with that. That's not going to happen. That's insane. That's insanity. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't work that way. Um, it, it, is, it is designed to fucking... Just freaking yeah. push people to the fringe. And that's in... Well, even even politicians, too. We, we talk about Bernie a lot, right? Yes, we do. And the reason we talk about Bernie a lot is the farthest left people can think of. <laughs> yeah, depressingly enough, yes. The Green Party is out there. Yep. And other than, like, the fact that, say, Jill Stein or, you know, Ajamu uh, Baraka is better on foreign policy and anti-imperialism than, say, you know, the, the Social Democratic Party at the time that, that Lenin is, they're still kind of the reformists of Social Democrats. You know, they're yeah. they're not out there, like, saying, you know, take some guns and, and topple over D.C. They're, they're saying no. vote us in, and, and these are the guys that originated the Green New Deal, which, like I said, isn't going to reverse global warming. It's, no. it's already a compromise. Uh, you know, but these are the people that they're, they're talking about, you know, housing and, and all that stuff. Most people don't even know they exist or they just assume they're going to lose or they don't know the names or yeah. like who the hell go down the street and see how many people can tell you off the top of their head who Jammu Baraki is. I mean, beyond that, go down the that street. Was a vice presidential candidate for the third biggest party in the country. Go down the street and ask someone what the name of their governor is and or mayor in the state of Missouri. I live here. I can't tell you the name of our governor right now. I used to know the name of the mayor, then I realized politics were bullshit. I used to know the name of the governor, and then we got him kicked out and replaced him with the less problematic crony. We, we got the Mike Pence for Missouri plan. Um, and I'm sure he's busy doing some awful hanging shit right now, but I ain't got time for that. I'm in a cave right now trying to fucking work on some theory, goddammit. Well, we got I guarantee things. you people only knew who Greitens was because of the fucking scandal and yeah, the absurd, yeah, yeah, yeah. absurd fascist-ass ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, quite, quite, quite on the fascist side. But, yeah. so again, that, there is just so much disconnected from it. So again, we're in this pure, free land of choice and democracy. One, you don't have fucking choices. These are not the choices you want. These are not the choices, these are not real choices. They're, they're these, you know, fictions of choice that we have going around us all the time. And, and more importantly, it's just not, even if you had a real choice, this system is designed to beat you down and and keep you from being able to exercise that. They just don't want you to. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and this well, was and this was true of Lenin at the time. I mean, Lenin was pointing this out again at the time of the, the fucking Russian Revolution. Like it's been this way. Yeah, Lenin's no. It's dummy. baked. In. Well, no, but I'm just saying it's not no, a no, case no, of I them just... kids with their Fortnites and the phones and the, it's been like this forever. It was like this when there were peasants. You, you there's always a thing that's going to try and alienate you from. The things that actually matter. Yeah. Now, quote, and I've said this quote before, but it's uh, Julius. God, I hope he, I have this name right. Nierer, Nierer. Uh, he's a first president of Tanzania. 
And his quote, the United States is also a one-party state, but with typical American extravagance, they have two of them. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. And that it, it, it's accurate. I mean, you hear it. It, it, it gets paired it around like it, there. There is no difference between those two parts. There is yeah. no. Di- Look at what's happening again. Foreign policy. There's zero difference. AOC can get up there and, and fucking AOC can get up there and difference. do her little like dance and like dunk on some people on Instagram or something. She's still fucking voting for IRS legislation that absolutely fucks over people of color. She's absolutely 100%. getting nothing fucking done and is is pretty well lockstep her, with her, her her social media team's probably better. But other than that, she's not functionally changing abolish anything. Abolish ICE. It wasn't abolish ICE and the CPD and all, you know, and, and prison abolition. It was just abolish ICE. But even abolish ICE on its face, leaving the CPD, leaving the prison abolition system. She immediately walked back when getting elected. Oh, yeah. And her first action was a vote to fund ICE and the CPD and it wasn't to fund ICE and the CPD to get the government back up when it was shut down. It was just to fund, to fund ICE and the CPD. Like, it, it doesn't... CP... Customs Border Patrol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I was about to say, Chicago Police Department? How did they... That Man, they're getting federal funding now? Fuck, man. You killed Craig Hampton. You get all sorts of kickbacks. I mean, I'm sure they are. I, but, yeah, know. let's be real. The correctness of this statement is perhaps most clearly confirmed by Germany because constitutional legality steadily endured there for a remarkably long time, nearly half a century, 1871 to 1914. And during this period, the Social Democrats were able to achieve far more than in other countries in the way of utilizing legality and organized a larger proportion of the workers into a political party than anywhere else in the world. What? All right, cool. You reformed it. You went in. You built a. You built a strong apparatus of workers. Um, this is, and and in eighteen ten long. And there's no way this ends poorly. There's no way that this will obviously go forever and lead to nothing but prosperity. This will never collapse to the primary enemy of socialism. Let's flip. The, oh fuck, guys. Hey, it's uh, there's a thing. There's a thing coming up. Just around the river Whoops. bend, guys. Here we are. Whoops. Whoops. What is this largest proportion of politically conscious and active wage slaves that has so far been recorded in capitalist society? One million members of the Social Democratic Party out of 15 million wage workers. Three million organized in trade unions out of 15 million. Uh, uh, that's that's not great no. numbers there, guys. No. That's not awesome uh, uh, The optics for you. Yeah. Democracy. Lenin's point is the, the largest victory of electoralism is kind of shit. Yeah, the the biggest the biggest achievement we got was what what is that one in five? <laughs> one in five in unions. In, fa- in fifteen in, in, in the the socialist democrat. Party. Yeah, and again, this lasted for another what five years, and then it all went to hell. Yeah, <laughs> like like Bismarck was actively doing things. Like the Kaiser was coming at this time. Like bad things were afoot. Democracy for an insignificant minority. Democracy for the rich. That is the democracy of capitalist society. If we look more closely into the machinery of capitalist democracy, we see everywhere in the petty, supposedly petty, details of suffrage, residential qualifications, exclusion of women, etc., in the technique of representative institutions, in the actual obstacles to the right of assembly, public buildings are not for quote-unquote poppers, uh, in the purely capitalist organization of the daily press, etc., etc., we see restriction after restriction upon democracy. These restrictions, exceptions, exclusions, 
obstacles for the poor seem slight in the eyes of one who has never known want himself and has never been in close contact with the oppressed classes in their mass life. So, uh, again, every bougie-ass white person that goes, I just don't understand why they don't just get a job. I mean, Lenin's explicitly, like, pointing out the problem with, say, voter ID laws here. uh Uh-huh. And uh, what what do you mean you don't have your driver's license? That's that's crazy. You don't have an address to register? This is bizarre. isn't there a homeless address? Isn't like one homeless lane, homeless oh California, one 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 one. Don't homeless. you have a? Don't you, you? You can't. No, no. Nine out of ten, if not nine out of ninety-nine out of one hundred, bourgeois publicists and politicians come under this category. So again, all the people that are again the David Brooks and the gentlemen that are that are yearning for that <laughs> that that fun fun Nazi times. Uh, and and the 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 uh, Stephen Pinker that tells you that the world's greater than it's ever been. Oh, Everything on fucking Vox. Everything on fucking Vox. He's never been hungry a day in his damn life. God damn it, Vox. Uh, but in the sum total, these restrictions exclude and squeeze out the poor from politics and from active participation in democracy. And it is not, it, I mean, there are, we see that everywhere. It is the mm. poor. It is people of color. It is indigenous people. It is it, anyone that they don't want to play. They will come up with fun and exciting new barriers to keep yeah, you out. the law that was just passed in South Dakota? Uh, against the Lakotas. Uh, that if you people. think about getting an abortion, we can murder you? No. <laughs> God damn it. That feels very South Dakota. Don't lie to me. No. Uh, it was something about, like, their addresses in the reserve weren't valid for voter registration or something. So if you lived on the reservation, that you wasn't considered a real address. And, and don't worry, reservations have openly been open-air prisons. Oh, yeah. Concentration camps for a long time. But... The number of people that you say reservation and they just imagine a lot of, like, teepees just hanging out. Like, that's not... Guys, 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 guys. It's it's an open-air prison. It's basically like a little mini Gaza. Just little mini Gazas peppered around the United States. And if there's one thing that everyone's clamoring... If there's one thing everyone's been clamoring for in in, in Silver Lake, it's a lot of mini Gazas. That's what they've really wanted. Mini Gazas, few less bombs, a little more oil pipelines. Uh Other than that, mini Gazas. Just as much repression, though. Lots of repression. Yes, but now... Now the Lakotas for daring to uh, turn Standing Rock into a big deal uh, yeah. can't vote. Yep, that, that, that makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, God damn, we are awful. All right, we're going to actually skip two paragraphs. I know, shocking. Uh, And the dictatorship of the proletariat, that is the organization of the vanguard of the oppressed as the ruling class for the purpose of suppressing the oppressors, cannot result merely in an expansion of democracy. Simultaneously, with an immense expansion of democracy, which for the first time becomes democracy for the poor, democracy for the people, and not democracy for the money bags, the dictatorship. Mr. Money Bags. Oh, Mr. Money Bags, you're back! I've missed you so. <laughs> the dictatorship of the proletariat imposes a series of restrictions on the freedom of the oppressors, the exploiters, the capitalists, the ones that will go crying on TV interviews the second we actually start expropriating them. Right. I mean, we do. Like when they say, oh, communists, just take all your money and take away your rights. We do want to take away money and rights just from rich people so that we can give them to you. Oh, but that's the tyranny of the majority, David. Oh, you can't yeah. have that. Tyranny of the majority. That's that's bad. We need that tyranny. We need that good, good tyranny of the minority. Uh, we know that's better. What was the uh, We like minorities here. We're communists. What was it Vox? Is it the problem it's with probably democracy is. is too much democracy? Yeah, that, that absolutely that sounds funny. Mother Jones, one of them. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds like a positive America episode title yeah, right there. Yeah. God damn it. 
Democracy for the vast majority of the people and suppression by force, i.e. the exclusion from democracy of the exploiters and the oppressors of the people. That is the change democracy undergoes during the transition from capitalism to communism. Only in communist society, when the resistance of the capitalists has been completely crushed, when the capitalists have disappeared, when there are no classes, i.e. when there is no distinction between the members of society as regards their relation to the social means of production, only then the state ceases to exist and it becomes possible to speak of freedom. If you have a plan for getting to that step in a way that doesn't involve a transition, Email us at marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Uh, spoiler alert, don't do that. I will delete it. It will go to the junk mail. I have a big black, I have a big junk mail folder with just a black flag on it. And that's how I know where to funnel those requests. Because it's it's fantasy time. Put it in with the not with the fiction books. But it becomes possible to your freedom. Only then will a truly complete democracy become possible be realized a democracy without any exceptions whatsoever and only then will democracy begin to wither away owing to the simple fact that freed from capitalist slavery from the untold horrors savagery absurdities and infamies of capitalist exploitation people will gradually become accustomed to observing the elementary rules of social intercourse that have been known for centuries and repeated for thousands of years in all copybook maxims They will become accustomed to observing them without force, without coercion, without subordination, without the special apparatus for coercion called the state. I'm going to go ahead and say something that will be controversial here. That part sounds a little utopian. Well, okay. I get it. I get why it's not. But it kind of sounds very idealistic. Yeah, and and if there's something you would call idealistic, it it, it is that. But I, I think it's just because we... We'll never see that until we have international... Like, I would say Cuba right now is communist. Yes. But it's not... The state can't wither away as long as we don't have globe, like the full globe. Yes. You're not going to get one state... You cannot, I think, by Marx's establishing of it at least, and and the way Lenin understood it as far as I've read it here, you would not be able to get one state communism. Yeah. As long as there are other, because it, even if you... Yeah, well, when, when Stalin said we've achieved communism in one state, and the goal is communism in one state, he meant, like, we... I mean, our society has no class. We have no class. We're doing it. Yeah. But and, our state cannot wither away until we have international communism, so we've achieved the best one state can do, and it's everything but the state withering away. And I think that would be the... I think that's probably the... I think that is, and again, everybody, David will jump on me first, if anyone, if I go too far off of this one. But I think that it, when it comes to, you know, obviously Marx and Engels learned from the commune. Leonard learned from the commune. Everyone's learned from everyone else. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the big issue. Uh, one of the takeaways, at least from the Soviet Union, was you can't just have communism in one state it'll never you're gonna have to constant because as long as there is someone else set up opposite you i mean again play the cold war again and hopefully you win but like yeah i mean there's a lot of factors going in there i mean first off the soviet union wasn't really it was one state 
but it wasn't really one state. It was mm-hmm. voluntary centralism. Correct, correct. Of a bunch of other. So states. the USS. So they were. It was. It was maybe and, maybe a matter of you hadn't hit the tipping point of communism yeah. yet. And and the three oh. things that really killed it were probably the Kronstadt Rebellion. Um, which I don't know, maybe not that one, but that, Germany completely failing in in becoming socialist. The DDR and yeah. the well, the DDR came back later, but that was all of Germany didn't become socialist. In that oh, time. you're talking about you're talking about when they with the the fail when they Soviet expansion. Okay, okay, and and of course the Sino-Soviet split. That's a big one, which I mean comes back to Khrushchev, who also laid the groundwork of you know. Uh, anti-Stalinism and, and liberalism uh, into the Soviet Union that would eventually cause its collapse under Gorbachev. So that was about to lead to Gorbachev in a pizza commercial. Yeah, <laughs> fucking pizza. So I mean, you could say like the, the the things that really collapsed it were everything that happened under Khrushchev, from the Sino-Soviet split to the the anti-Stalinism campaign and liberalism. Uh, you could say, and then you could say the lack of expansion before that, which is Kronstadt Rebellion and um, Germany. You know, sapping the expansion. So they kind of had to do communism one state because, like, Germany failed. And they're like, well, we got to rethink this. What are we going to do? You know, because everybody thought Germany was just, like, going to be the socialism. Well, they, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. And then when Russia did it, it was like, okay, we did it, but Germany's going to be the next one to come along. And then they didn't do it. Yeah. And it still expanded. I mean, you know, it went to China. It went to uh, Vietnam, it, China. It, but it's it didn't expand in, in the same way as drastically. And that is, the, that is a common... I, I, I guess they assumed... Because that's a critique but, I hear, and I've never seen it. Is this that that Marx assumed it was going to happen in the first world societies exclusively that they'd be the first ones to? I guess because they were the most developed through capitalism, and he assumed that capitalism had to be fully developed before you would even yeah, think about jumping. That's, that's I think the biggest lesson from the Soviet Union is we learned we can take a third world country and make it communist if we industrialize it first. Now you t- need to take a liberal period of industrialization for the Soviet Union. It was a new economic I mean, plan. NAP. Um, for China, it's it's kind of coming out of it now under Xi, but it was the the Dungism, you know, type idea. Um, even in uh, Cuba, I think they had a little bit of a, a period of that, but then they basically like ripped the corporations out when America was being a douchebag. Uh, sounds about right. Um, you know, uh, Venezuela right now they, they they've still got you know the the I mean the big opposition, big money players. They're they're were the big corporations and monopoly owners. That's how they're holding out diapers and flour so that, you know, Venezuelans can have all the food they need and all the paper products they need, except for these specific paper products and this specific food bread, and then can be used, you know, to make, to make things hard on people while making Venezuela look really bad and some propaganda stuff with these empty bread shelves and, you know, no diapers and stuff is, is because you still have these big corporate heads. They're the leaders of the opposition. So, I mean, you still need some transition period to industrialize. DPRK, when did they do their, when did, because they, oh, well, they did, the, and that, that's Juchi. That's very much where they mean they did their own way. They kind of did the the communism and the industrialization at the same time. They're the only country that's really done that. Uh, what the DPRK it's achieved is incredibly impressive, and it is very hard to get people to wrap their head around how impressive it is, because it's hard to get people to wrap their head around the fact that it's not some giant prison where Kim Jong-un like starves you and then makes you get his hair cut. Yeah, th- but, th- thank you uh, thank you, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, Team America, World Police. You've done us yeah, a great service yeah. to society. But, um, but once you wrap your head around the fact that the DPRK is an actual real-life country with real-life culture and real-life people. And they went to the Olympics and everything. They went to the Olympics and everything. And, and human people live there. And somehow, with the U.S. literally having a colony with that oh does test God. runs of invasions every, like, 
you know, guys, few months. Guys, guys, it's happening. Order. This is going to happen. It's the first time. This might be the first time. I get a, I get a legitimate Civ Six reference in. I get a legitimate Sid Meier Civilization it. reference. It's happened. The crossover event you've all been waiting for. You have a city-state camped right on their border. And you have you have levied their military. And you've just pointed all your guns at them and gone, I am coming for you. But you're just waiting. Because yeah. you've got to build a big enough bomb that you don't actually have to work that hard to kill them. Yeah, but, but then I, you got bored and made blue jeans, so now you're just kind of fucking around. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, they had they had one-fifth of their country to one-third. So the numbers aren't exact there's so many deaths. One-fifth to one in their population, one-third of the population wiped off the planet. Every single building that existed, gone. And a giant colony where the world's superpower is pointing every bomb imaginable at you for 70 years and Jesus running test runs Christ. of invading you every six months. And they've survived. You can't do that if you're a giant prison run by one mean guy that nobody likes. <laughs> that just doesn't happen. That makes no sense. You're, you're not wrong. And, and so when you wrap your head around the fact that, again, they're an actual functioning country that defends themselves and has made their life better, has survived even through two you know, famine-level droughts, even through that bombing campaign, even through uh, the... The fact that uh, they, you know, they've had sanctions all over them, and that th- shitty J- Seth Rogen and what's his fuck yeah. movie. Yeah, even through all the propaganda, you know, and and they've done it, and they've industrialized uh, by themselves while kind of running communist. It's insanely impressive what the DPRK has done. Yeah. Just absolutely incredibly impressive. And the only question is, is they've kind of had to. I I would still put. America is more jingoistic than, than the DPRK. But it's the only communist society where you can make... I wouldn't call it jingoism just like I wouldn't call, like, you know, a, a uh, uh, revolutionary war some form of genocide. I mean, there's a there's a point behind it. But you could argue... <laughs> we, we, you can tell we talked about desolines earlier, can't yeah. you? <laughs> but you could... But I would argue that the DPRK is, is still nonetheless a garrison state. And they're the only communist society that could probably, like do that culturally and not have pushback from the people. So I don't know if people could exactly do what the DPRK did, but I mean, maybe we can even use that but as a But here's model. the thing, but that, and the, but that is the unique you thing, know, is we can talk about... without liberalism, it's incredible. You can talk about five different socialist, uh, you know, f- Marxists, you can talk about five different... Path. That are t- completely took, taking completely different paths to revolution. They still followed Marxism. They had a core ideology. They all, all follow Marxism-Leninism, specifically, yeah. Yes. Yes. All and, and and again, everyone adapt. I mean, again, Marxism Leninism in South America looks completely different than it does in. Sure. I mean, the one, the one group, and, and it's very new. It's only been around since the mid '90s. Is the autonomous state of Chiapas is the one you can argue the most of venturing away from Marxism Leninism. And if you ask them, they love Che. They love Cuba. Yeah. <laughs> They're communists. Yeah. You know, I mean, they'll they'll say like libertarian communists and like it'll sound kind of like anarcho-syndicalist but they're not one big union uh they they mean it in a way that relates to their indigenous cultures and wanting to restore the indigenous cultures and and political structures it's it's very very different there and again that's because of their material conditions it's adapting marxism and specifically marx and leninism to their material conditions and of course their own influences and that you know the heroism of Emilio Zapata and and stuff like that you know yeah. and so in capitalist society we have a democracy that is curtailed wretched false a democracy only for the rich for the minority 
The dictatorship of the proletariat, the period of transition to communism, will for the first time create democracy for the people, for the majority, along with the necessary suppression of exploiters, the minority. Communism alone is capable of providing real, complete democracy, and the more complete it is, the sooner it becomes unnecessary and withers away of its own accord. If it sounds like Lenin is saying the same things over and over and over again, it's because he is saying the same things over and over and over again. <laughs> he wants them in your head. And it's really because he wants... And again, he keeps saying it in different ways from Marx and from Engels uh, for good reason, because he want, they were consistent on this. This was not... They were not wishy-washy about how this would happen. They were consistent from the time they conceived of it to the end as to what this would look like and how it would need to happen. There was no room for Kautsky to come in and say, well, 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 wait. Um... Furthermore, during this transition from capitalism to communism, suppression is still necessary. Anarchist, hey. Uh, but it is now the suppression of the exploiting minority by the exploited majority. A special apparatus, a special machine for suppression, the state, is still necessary. But this is now a transitional state. It is no longer a state in the proper sense of the word. For the suppression of the minority of exploiters by the majority of the wage slaves of yesterday is comparatively so easy, so simple and natural a task that it will entail far less bloodshed than suppressing the risings of slaves, serfs, or wage laborers, and it will cost humanity far less. It is also compatible with the extension of democracy to such an overwhelming majority of the population that the need for a special machine of suppression will begin to disappear. Naturally, the exploiters are unable to suppress the people without a highly complex machine for performing this task, but the people can suppress exploiters with even a simple machine, almost without a machine at all, without a special apparatus, but simply the organization of the armed people, such as the Soviet workers and soldiers' deputies, we would remark, running ahead. That sounds a lot like what anarchists kind of try and bend over backwards and claim their decentralized state is actually going to be, but they don't call it a state because, as I tweeted out yesterday, the state is the floor and the floor is lava. You can't call it that or it's bad. You're just playing... You changed the name. People. You're playing garbage game. You're playing garbage categories with the fucking word state, and it does no one no benefit. You Do we agree that there are bad people out there and they're going to try and, you know, capitalist bad? Yes. Okay, we're on the same page. Cool. Next step. How you get them to go away? Revolution? Cool. Good. Done that. How do you keep them gone? Do, we could, if you want to for the revolution, if you want to feel better, anarchists, we can line them all up against the wall and shoot them all. We can do a desolate. We can do a desolate if that makes you fucking feel better. I don't, but, I, I mean, what, what does it need? capitalism is, our life expectation is more than 21 years old. Yeah. I would kind of also rather be as justified. As I would kind of rather maybe. not have to pull off a a intercountry genocide. Like just because I am yeah, fully, it would be a genocide. I'd like just in case you're curious, I am fully embrace the use of force to get what we need in this situation. I am not giddy at the idea of having to murder a bunch of people to do it. Well, no one is. We've said this before. I said, look, man, you want to take... I think the, the example we used was Bezos. It's like, always you know, fucking Bezos. It's Bezos oh, or Musk. It's only I, those two. Yeah, or or uh, the Chaos Emeralds, the Apartheid Emeralds. It's absolutely uh, the Chaos Apartheid Emeralds. Jim Carrey playing Eggman in that I, movie is no, going to... It's no, going to destroy me. No, Recast no. that to Musk now. He's going to not have a job pretty soon. He'll have plenty of free time. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, if you want to take one of them, but just like, like you know, Romanov, no one's going to cry. No. no one's going to cry. But 
we're not out for vengeance. No. You know, we're out for a plan that gets rid of class and dissolves class and, and liberates everyone and creates the world we want with the next revolution in a practical way. And the only ways you can do that is to Dessaline, which again, you know, no. I mean, we're not talking about 300,000 people being imported to be whipped and have a life expectancy of 21 years old based on skin color. We're talking about just general capitalist exploitation. It's shitty, but we would be Dessaline justified and the masses to do it would be in much, much bigger than the French that were in Haiti. And that, I mean, we're, we, and we, again, we joke about it, but even... Back to when Marx, back to chapter 26 to 32. on-text episode ever, by the way. Huh? This has got to be the least on-text episode. Shut your whore mouth. We're reading, I, yeah, <laughs> the least on-text episode, and I'm reading every page of the fucking text. I don't want to hear it. It's just going to be long, and they'll deal with it, because they're here. No, it, it, Marx 26 to 32, how much blood did it take to get us to this system? Yeah. If you would like it to magically not require, I mean, if you want to talk about fairness, fine. Give me exactly that much. I mean, there's a reason we call them the 1%. Yeah. It, it, it's not, they're not the majority. We're not going to have to have a massive internal civil war where we Thanos snap half of the fucking population away. If you take 1% of them and expropriate it, we should be okay. Yeah. It's yeah. not that hard. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's I absolutely true. Again, and I'm not trying to oversimplify is still this. millions of people. And, and some of them, you know, some of them, revolution's revolution. But we don't want, like, the maximum number. Um, but, Again, you know, if they all if they all play by the... Follow their, their lead in our class. They all want to come along and play? Educate them. We don't have to kill any of them. Yeah. We can gulag a bunch of them, though. We're, I, I have no problem with I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to make Jeff Bezos work in his warehouse. That... You know what? I Until he pees that. himself on the floor, That's and that. then, and then, then at that point, you'll have my permission to take off your Patagonia vest, you bitch. <laughs> oh, back to the text that David so insistent we read from. Yeah, I'm such a dick. We are not utopians. Um, I, I refer you back to that last couple paragraphs a couple minutes ago, Lennon. We're not utopians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. We're, We're not utopians. Not. And do not in the least deny the possibility and inevitability of excesses on the part of individual persons. Uh, hey, Alex, I know you're listening right now. I, I know you're here. You're probably not. You may never get here. I don't care. Um, you remember that part where you keep talking about human nature like it's a thing and, and, and just we ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist? We don't. It's right here. People will fuck up. It is natural. People fuck up. They do that. That's why we have stuff and, and mechanisms in place for it. It's why we need a fucking state a couple times every now and again. Yeah. Or the need to stop such excesses. In the first place, however, no special machine, no special apparatus of suppression is needed for this. We will have a posse. Quite literally. There will just be the mass. And if you done fuck up and the mass is there, the mass going to, we, we going to take care of this. Like, this is, this is very easy. This feels kind of like crime, like mob-ish, but it, 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 it is the nature of how we are going to, or, how you're going to organize a society around Random, this. Random, but incredibly uh, on subject, shout out to the Beyond Prisons podcast. Yes! A podcast that I didn't know existed, so I'm going to have to go listen oh, to now. Yeah, it's uh, run by Shadowproof. It's uh, uh, Jared Ware, Brian, Brian Sonnenstein, and Kim Wilson, and they just celebrated two years. I've been a uh, long-time patron oh, hell yeah. myself. They are Good work, guys. Excellent, excellent activists doing uh, prison abolition podcasts. I am about to jump all down that thing's throat. Good yeah. work, guys. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're going to take care. And, and he gets to an example here. Um, 
This will be done by the armed people themselves and as simply and as readily as any crowd of civilized people, even in modern society, interferes to put a stop to a scuffle or to prevent a woman from being assaulted. If someone were to throw, if, if you go to a sporting event and someone yells at your at your your friend, all you and your friends are going to kick their friend's ass. That's a thing. That happens because right. they wore the wrong color to the game you guys came to watch. Uh, we we will find a way. We can find a way to like organize some justice. Right. Um, and again, does that in and of its and, and you see that and this is why. And, and again, I think this goes back to why I and I'm still working my way through what I think my foundation is, but this is why I think the cultural part of the revolution is going to be very important because I think a lot of the excesses and a lot of the things like this, this is stuff that will take generations to weed out. Mm-hmm. And Especially I, in America with concern. Of yes. Race. Look at that. Because again, in the same way that did shit happen in the Soviet union when Stalin was in charge. Oh, hell yeah. Is all of that Stalin individually writing out like a Santa naughty and nice list of people he'd like to to kill today? <laughs> no, we have an apparatus that sprung up in the NKVD, and you have humans and humans that are transitioning from a very oppressive feudal style state to all of a sudden being the ones in control and having power. And does that is that going to cause excess until you 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 can? culturally make that not okay yes I, I i just think it i i think it is naturally going to be that will, way for a while it will call cause leaders of the red army to vile for their own power over the will of the majority of people and it's going to cause a lot of things. it's going to cause exactly but at the end of the day this is all acknowledged there is no there is no idealism in pretending that that's not going to be a thing and pretending we're not going to need and again the same reason why we're not just going to flip a switch and get to happy time communism it doesn't fucking work that way it is going to take generate long long time of 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 giving every once people can stop worrying about the oh my god what do i have to do to survive then we can then we start the next process of it and i think that process is very very important the best part is we have a lot of examples to learn from yes like the soviet union had you know the paris commune and then theory and that's it yeah you know china had like the soviet union and we want that, but we don't want fucking Khrushchev to happen. <laughs> and that's it. You know, I mean, there's the, there weren't a lot. The biggest populations in the world. I mean, the second one I just cited is literally the, the yeah. biggest population of the world. Didn't have a lot to go on. But guys, America's we too big to go on. America's too big to, to institute socialism. Yeah, guys. Only, we're too. It's too big. It works in Sweden, but it, it wouldn't work in a big country like the most populated like, one in the entire world. Fucking goddamn MSNBC. Fucking morons. Um, uh, So moving on to section three, the first phase of communist society. The one, the contentious one, you could say, guys, as as Twitter has told me this week. God, I am sorry, anarchists. I do. I do want you on our team. I promise. I'm not. I, 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 I know the struggle of not being all the way there yet, but I come on. Listen, we will we will get there together. In their critique of the Gotha program, Marx goes into detail to disprove LaSalle's idea that under socialism, the workers will receive the undiminished or full product of his labor. You remember that whole rant we did last time about how that's that's nonsense. Um, Marx shows that from the whole of the social labor of society, there must be deducted a reserve fund, a fund for the expansion of production, a fund for the replacement of wear and tear of machinery, and so on. Then, from the means of consumption, must be deducted a fund for administrative expenses, schools, hospitals, old people's homes, and so on. This is a great example of Lenin doing a way better job of saying what Marx said 
Because <laughs> that part in Lennon. Gotham was confusing as fuck to me as Lennon, I was reading it. Lennon's, Lennon's just great nailed, at that, by Lennon's, Lennon's great at that. Great Instead at of LaSalle's hazy, obscure general phrase, the full product of his labor to the worker, Marx makes a sober estimate of exactly how socialist society will have to manage its affairs. Maybe a little too sober, Marx. Uh, Marx proceeds to make a concrete analysis of the conditions of life in society in which there will be no capitalism and says, in analyzing the program of the Workers' Party, what we have to deal with here is a communist society, not as it has developed on its foundations, but on the contrary, just as it emerges from capitalist society, which is thus in every respect, economically, morally, and intellectually, still stamped with the birthmarks of the old society from whose womb it comes. Yeah, now this is, we've talked about this in Capital. Yeah. This is a big part of Marx. There's a base and a superstructure. And you can't see my hand motion. You you really can't. It, it's important, though. But one's on the bottom, and then there's another one, Polly Shore, biodoming its way on top. That's right. And the superstructure is made up of the effects of the base and the carryover from the previous superstructure. And a lot of people will that critique Marx will say, well, he put too much emphasis on the base. But I mean, you're not going to, like overthrow the superstructure what, what the fuck are you going to do there you're going to like you know like overthrow grunty reaction like no i mean you're going to overthrow the base yes and marx cared a lot practically about the superstructure the reason he focused on the base is because he was replacing idealists well and that's a thing basically yeah. like decided that the superstructure was his own i mean that's what idealism is superstructure is all you all that exists, and it comes from the mind and ideas. Yeah. And and if you have this enlightened mind, you'll bring these ideas and change the world. And Marx said, no, there's this material base. All of that shit comes from. Yep. And even the ideas come either from that base or from the old superstructure that came from previous bases. And the longer you can keep that base intact, and that's what I get, it's going to take time, but the longer you keep that base intact... Mm-hmm the more and more that superstructure is going to become solidified and become more more socialist, more communist, more more just, mm-hmm. you know, what we're looking for here. That the means of production are no longer the private property of individuals. The means of production belong to the whole of society. Every member of society performing a certain part of the socially necessary work receives a certificate from society to the effect that he has done a certain amount of work. And with this certificate, he receives from the public store of consumer goods a corresponding quantity of products. After a deduction is made for the amount of labor that goes to the public fund, every worker, therefore, receives from society as much as he has given to it. Equality, quote unquote, apparently reigns supreme. But when LaSalle, having in view such a social order, usually called socialism, but termed by Marx the first phase of communism, says that this is equitable distribution, that this is the equal rights of all to an equal product of labor, LaSalle is mistaken and Marx exposes the mistake. Hence, the equal right, says Marx, in this case still certainly conforms to bourgeoisie right, which, like all law, implies inequality. All law is an application of an equal measure to different people who are, in fact, not alike, not equal to one another. That is why the equal right is a violation of equality and an injustice. Again, back to that Harvey quote, the most unequal thing you can do is to treat unequals as equal. Yes. God, that one always trips me for a second until I get there. But it is. It's it's that to a T. It's almost like he's read this stuff. Um having performed as much social labor as another receives an equal share of the social product after the above-mentioned deductions. 
But people are not alike. One is strong, another weak. One is married, another not. One has more children, another has fewer, and so on. And the conclusion Marx drew is, with an equal performance of labor and hence an equal share in the social consumption fund, one will in fact receive more than another, one will be richer than another, and so on. To avoid all these defects, the right, instead of being equal, would have to be unequal. The first phase of communism, therefore, cannot yet provide justice and equality. Differences and unjust differences and wealth will still persist, but the exploitation of person by person will have become impossible because it will be impossible to seize the means of production, the factories, machines, land, and make them private property. This is where if you run into people who don't understand Marxism and they'll try to paint us as Georgists, Georgism is this idea that like everyone just gets equal pay. Like, everyone just I- I, I thought there was a very George Costanza thing coming here, and I didn't. I didn't know what. It, I was <laughs> no, very this, concerned. This was. I, I can't remember what George, like where the name comes from, but it was the the economic model that Tolstoy would would push around. Yeah, yeah, that that face that you guys can't see, but trust me, it's there. And that sigh says just just my, just no no Liam Tolstoy just or isn't that Liam? Leo. Leo, Leo Tolstoy. I thought that sounded wrong. No, Leo Tolstoy. None. You none combined a, you you made a, a <laughs> bastard amalgamation of Trotsky and Tolstoy, and no, no, bad beards, bad literature. Yeah, no. Well, I get it. War and Peace is really really long and kind of famous. Uh, we could get into Lenin's Lenin's thoughts on Tolstoy, but he sucks. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, Tolstoy. We, no we are not Georgists. Tol- no, we are socialists. Yes, we are. And so, in the first phase of communist society, bourgeois law is not abolished in its entirety, but only in part, only in proportion to the economic revolution that is so far attained. That is only with respect to the means of production. In the first phase, we'll have seized the means of production. Law regarding the means of production will no longer be necessary at that point because we will it will be irrelevant. Same way that once we, if we were to do universal health care as a thing, laws about insurance... And private insurance companies yeah. would be gone yeah. because they'd be completely unnecessary. Get rid of like big government insurance regulations, just make it universal. Yeah, it's like, kind of weird. It, yeah, like you want to, you know, have small government. Or, you know, let, I mean, perfect, done. I've solved your problem. Um, <laughs> it, it's so, so weird. Um, but again, yeah. So, so again, the you thing you. It's true that, like, it's stupid, and we've talked about it. It's stupid, and it's a bullshit apparatus that you even have to fill out tax forms. Like, they already have the information, and they just let you go through the rigor rigor mold. Well, to hope you fuck up so that they can get more money out of you. Yeah, to hope you fuck up so they can get more money, and to let the rich people, like, get all their loopholes. And to prop up the tax industry. But, I mean, kind of like the Gotha program. You don't want to make your program, like... We're going to make taxes simple and automatic. Da, 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 da. You want to make it to where, like, the, that kind of discourse isn't even necessary. Yeah. It'll just it, go away. Yeah. Stop Stop worrying about that. If you do it correctly, this is unnecessary. Yeah. This is a defect, says Marx, but it is unavoidable. In the first phase of communism, for if we are not to indulge in utopianism, we must not think that having overthrown capitalism, people will at once learn to work for society without any rules of law. Besides, the abolition of capitalism does not immediately create the economic prerequisites for such a change. Again, this is where the further along the capitalist chain you are, the the easier your transition should theoretically be because you're not having to deal with these 
you're you're not going to have to deal with shortage and ration as yeah. much as other places would because you have such excess, such gross, disgusting excess that there is more than enough to grow. The housing problem. Yeah. I'm not going to have to kick people out of their houses. I'm going to have to expropriate unused housing from fucking slumlords so that I can fucking make sure everyone has a place to sleep. Well, look at the time we're in, right? And and look at computers now. The biggest problem, the biggest practical problem the Soviet Union had as far as internal management was the fact that the five-year plans, the most successful economic structure the world has ever seen from a progress, growth, uh, betterment of human uh, life, you know, in a short period of time. 75% peasants beat us to space. Yeah, I mean, just mm-hmm. just incredible. Like, the, the 75% peasants to defeated the Nazis with better equipment. Like, just bigger, better tanks. Like, just that fast. Yeah. Um, the five-year plans were just amazing. Like, the the just incredible economic development. And yet they struggled because all that, the way they planned that out was going through the central bank. That was a lot of paperwork and a lot of people. We have computers Mm -hmm. that they did not have. That is accurate. That would be a hell of a lot easier today. Yeah. And it would be, and again, uh, other parts of the five-year plan that, I mean, you ran into, is the big problem they ran into with the Kulaks. You ran into hoarding and rationing. There wasn't enough. You, you, well, even if you had enough to go around, you had people that were, were making it. And you see this probably in Venezuela. Is there enough to go around? Yes. Are there groups inside oh, yeah, of it that are making it intentionally not enough to go around? The opposition was literally burning CLAP packages. And for people that don't know, CLAP's a two-part uh, program. Or a three-part program, I'm sorry, in Venezuela. Uh, one is that people just get boxes. If you're really, like, the lowest portion in society, you just get a monthly box of food. Noodles, vegetable oil, stuff that's going to last on your shelf that gives you food to eat. Uh, the other thing it is, is they have big clap stores with subsidized products. So, like, really cheap soap. So, because of the black market inflation, again, the U.S. is really, really trying to remake the 73 coup in Chile. And the only two times socialism has ever had greater inflation than capitalism, hell, the Soviet Union got rid of inflation for 40 years. Did, did you call it the 73 coup? Coup. Yeah, but you said coup. Sorry. <laughs> it's a fucking car now. Because I heard anyway. Yeah, okay. I got Okay. All right. All right. All right. We it in the coop. Run it, run, run, it, run it back, people that can hit the 15-second rewind button. Just just confirm whether I'm insane or not. All right. So the 73 coup, uh, they're remaking it by using a black market dollar to cause inflation with a, a dollar exchange, right? That's exactly what happened in Chile. It was orchestrated by the U.S. And right now, the website that runs the biggest black market dollar operation is run by one of the opposition leaders. It's like, again, you know, it's not even well hidden. It's just that people... People don't have time, so they don't know. Exactly. And that's why they fall for the stuff in the United States. And then when you do run into legitimate shortages of necessary items, they're self uh, uh, Ha! Yeah. Hey, guys, it's if you think our episodes are long, and they are, they're very long, uh, Rev Left's Proles crossover on Stalin. Uh, Three hours. Welcome to, welcome to why the Holodomor is not a real thing that we are going to ever be able to blame on some, like, uh, why it's just completely... Unless you think the Spanish-American War was built on truth or that Hearst didn't write for the Nazis, yeah, maybe you should. You're going to have a hard that, time with that, that one. But again, if, the, the number, and it was so great when you were listening because they, they, they really, as, as great as those guys are, that was the most, they were so locked in for that episode and the, the amount of research that they have that I will never, ever, ever probably have because I just, I, I don't, I don't, I can't. Yeah. Um, but again, the numbers of, of how many, how much livestock the Kulaks just 
killed themselves voluntarily. Just cut the definition of cut your nose off to spite your face levels of we're going to burn it all to the ground so you can't have it. Yeah. But anyway, back to the clap program. Um, so there's but something... I want to talk about kulaks. No, the kulaks are bad. We're just we're glad that they're, that they're they're dead in the past. But anyway, um, they're not peasants. You can't you can't be the capital. Can't be a rich peasant. Can't be a rich peasant. That's that's nonsense. Uh, but anyway, so and I do want to get back home or sometime. But this this episode's long enough. So <laughs> let, me, let me get the clap. So anyway, a bar of soap, for example, right? Like a dollar, say four thousand bolivars right now. It, it, that wouldn't be a shocking number with the inflation. Uh, bar of soap would be like 500 boulevards. I mean, there's super cheap subsidized stuff in these stores. And then the other thing is they give out free meals at school, right? <laughs> Those are the three sides of CLAP. And CLAP has I an mean, inventory, physical food to, and, and soap and things to distribute. And the opposition in their big peak in 2017, 2016, 2017, uh, big peak run before they started this coup stuff, uh, where they were literally lynching black people in the streets, burning them alive, Something they did a few times was burn the clap food, especially the clap school food. You know, I mean, they they, they will sabotage. Reaction sabotages. Yep. Oh, by definition, that's why it's reaction. They're going to do everything they can. Four. We're now getting to move on, guys, to the higher stage. Bring me We will get back to the kulaks, but trust me. Uh, oh, we'll get back to the, to the pros, kulaks. The pros red left collaboration. Yes, they, they 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 will do it better than we will ever do justice to it. They yes. they did a great job. Um, in a higher phase of communist society, after the enslaving subordination of the individual to the division of labor, and with it the antithesis between mental and physical labor has vanished. After labor has become not only a livelihood, but life's prime want. After the productive forces have increased with all-around development of the individual and all the springs of cooperative wealth flow more abundantly, only then can the narrow horizon of bourgeois law be left behind in its entirety. And society inscribe on its banners from each according to his ability to each according to his means. Only now can we fully appreciate the correctness of Engels' remarks, mercilessly ridiculing the absurdity of combining the words freedom and the word state. So long as the state exists, there is no freedom. Anarchists, we kind of agree on that. It's, it's weird. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to, the, welcome to the overlap of the Venn diagram. Let us palaver. Uh, when there is freedom... There will be no state. The economic basis for the complete withering of the state is such a high state of development of communism, at which the antithesis between mental and physical labor disappears, at which there consequently disappears one of the physical sources of modern social inequality, a source, moreover, moreover, that cannot on any account be removed immediately by the mere conversion of the means of production into public property by the mere expropriation of the capitalist. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is really talking more about the superstructure than it is the base. This is talking about we've re- we've we've remedied the base part. We've got that whole means of production thing taken care of, and now we've done we that long enough. Huh? Now we can do the superstructure. Now the super the superstructure is starting to catch up, and that's when you combine them both, and you get your your Super Saiyan crossover episode of, of full on communism. Yeah, and and I want to go back to the, the Marx quote there real quick. And, Please do and that that last line. From each according to uh, his ability, each according to his needs. You probably heard that before. You should have. That is a solid, solid shorthand for com for yeah for communism. For yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It's the I was gonna say for socialism for a second there, but yeah, same thing. I mean, 
Yeah, it is. It is. It is the it is the one sentence elevator pitch for for how how we should organize a society. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, this is something people don't uh, understand enough. And it's bad, and it's now, and it's vulgarized. Know. I mean, you want to we we can do it again. Again, this is if this podcast is anything, it is again going the the, the it is the state and revolution for all the stuff that's happened since the state and revolution. I mean, we're yeah. we're retconning kind of. All of the things that have get vulgarized about this and, and misunderstood. And, yeah. and But if you want to know one sentence for communism, and of course it is what communists have led with as their one <sighs> sentence for communism for a long time, is the communist calling card rally cry, each according to his abilities, each according to his needs. Welcome back from extended hockey break. Uh, uh, hockey is good. Let's go blues. Headphones yes, are back on. Yes, My ears yes. are sweaty. Yes, reminder, if we uh, cut it in the blob, that uh, the last... Hockey player in the NHL that was born in the USSR uh, when it, of course, you know, existed is appropriately named Vladimir. And whoop, he's on the blues. He's ours. I'm wearing his jersey. He's very good at scoring goals. And right now. I love him. Things and goals. And, and Don't idolize sports players. They will only let you down unless their name is Vladimir Tarasenko and then he is God and you say nothing about him. Thank <laughs> <sighs> you, Boba. I love you, Boba. Um, all right. Getting back into the guy. Uh, the other Vladimir the of the hour. Vla- the big Vladimir. Vladimir Vladimir Uno. The state will be able to wither away completely when society adopts the rule from each according to its ability to each according to his means, when people have become so accustomed to observing the fundamental rules of social intercourse, and when their labor has become so productive they'll voluntary work, voluntarily work according to their ability. The narrow horizon of bourgeois law, which compels one to calculate with the heartlessness of a Shylock, whether one has not worked half an hour more than anybody else, this narrow horizon will then be left behind. There will be no need for society in distributing products to regulate the quantity to be received by each. Each will take according to his needs. From the bourgeois point of view, it's very easy to declare that such social order is sheer utopia. Damn it, Lennon, don't make me feel like an asshole for calling that kind of utopia. <laughs> jerk. Jerk face. Now you Never mean, doubt Lennon. He will I don't always do that. I know, but that was mean. And to sneer at the socialists for promising everyone the right to receive from society without any control over the labor of the individual citizen. Any quality of truffles, cars, piano... Uh, such a three-random thing. Truffles, cars, pianos. Those are the things. It's it's iPhones. It's uh, it's avocado right. toast, and it's piano. It's still pianos. It's still just pianos. Um, it's always pianos. <laughs> is it ever not pianos? Never not pianos. Even to this day, the most bourgeois savants confine themselves to sneering in this way, thereby betraying both their ignorance and their selfish defense of capitalism. And yeah, you're probably right, Lennon. I'm probably just still not. My brain doesn't see it yet. I can't. I can't wrap my head around it. You're right. Beat me down. I deserve it. Ignorance, for it has never entered the head of any socialist to promise that the higher phase of the development of communism will arrive. It's a little depressing. As for the greatest socialist forecast that it will arrive, it presupposes not the present ordinary run of people who, like the seminary students in that guy's stories, are capable of damaging the (laughs) stocks of public wealth just for fun and demanding the impossible. Again... Alex, you're not Bob listening. Yulovsky. Don't. Why are you trying? I skipped it for a reason. Why? Okay, okay. Um. Uh. Yeah. Pure. And that is that is kind of a depressing, stark reality that you need to get your head around if you really want to go go the distance here, guys. Uh. We're almost certainly not getting pure communism in our lifetime. It's just not going to happen. It, it 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 almost certainly, with the group of people we have and the setup society we have is not going to to be able to do what we want it to do. Um, so if 
we're going to get there. You've got to start somewhere. Journey of a million miles, one step, something, something. I don't know. Is that Sun Tzu? Uh, uh, so again, if, if we're going to get to pure, pure communism, the higher stage of communism is Marx defined it, you're going to have to acknowledge that you may not be the one that gets to see it in your lifetime because it is acknowledged, if you really believe in Marx and Engels, that you're going to have to change your superstructure to get there, and superstructure changes aren't going to happen overnight. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's now, set. I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to make things better for people whose lives are now. Infinitely better, but you you can't set your standard to... You can't say, well, we're going to wait... International global communism. Overnight. We can't. We got to wait till people are better and then do it. That's... That is a, that is a, an instinct that breeds opportunism and reformist yes. and reactionist and shit that we've seen how it goes and it just is the life it's the life preserver of capitalism is well we have to wait till people are better and then we can try it, it it's just it's never there is never going to be a better until you change the thing that is making people awful and that at this point in time that's our base and that's capitalism yes. pure and simple. The selfish defense of capitalism by bourgeois ideologists and their hangers-on, like the Tsaritsis, Chernovs, and company. Tsaritelis. Those ones, sure. Consists in that they substitute arguing and talk about the distant future for the vital and burning question of present-day politics. Namely, the expropriation of the capitalists, the conversion of all citizens into workers and other employees of one huge, quote-unquote, syndicate, the whole state, and the complete subordination of the entire work of this syndicate to a genuinely democratic state. The state of the Soviet of workers and soldiers' deputies. The, the, he was talking about hidden there. We can call him whatever we want here. Yeah, I mean, he was talking <laughs> specifically about yeah. what was going on in Russia. Stop ignore, Stop! Stop daydreaming and talking about the, the happy time future you will have and deal with the present that you've got. Um, in fact, when a learned professor followed by the Philistine, followed in turn by the Saratellis and Chernovs, talks of wild utopias of the demagogic promises of the Bolsheviks and the impossibility of introducing socialism, it is the higher stage or phase of communism he has in mind, which no one has ever promised or even thought to introduce, because generally speaking, it cannot be introduced. And of it course, is, you see the same criticism. They're just utopianists. They're just, it never, they never change. The it is. Well, and the, and the interesting thing is, is it's funny because we're like defending, we're almost sitting, again, it, it's, I think back to where was it? Uh, fucking so and so. One of the uh, Kennedy. I think it was Kennedy. One of the one of the bitch ass Supreme Court justices that retired um, had said that when he was at Harvard, when he was at Harvard, they would have like debate team and stuff like that. That uh, it was <laughs> the uh, the communists would sit in the middle. Yeah. Of that of that particular room, and that's I think relevant because we're defending the right is calling co- the. Marxist Leninist, the utopian. Yeah. We're like, fuck you, this is not utopian. Anar- look look one face to the quote again, why left and right is meaningless, but to the left and anarchists go, those fuckers are utopian. Yeah, or you liberals. Want, or liberals. You want utopia there. You want utopia liberals. We not utopian. We we have a very concrete thing that definitely involves some very realistic quote unquote conservative values or whatever yeah, you want to call it. This isn't anti authoritarian bullshit. This isn't enlightenment bullshit. This is practical. We're in the top left quadrant, motherfuckers. Deal with it. We hang out. <laughs> God damn left. I so fucking stupid. hate that goddamn political compass can suck a bag of dicks. It can make a lot of memes good. Oh, it makes so many good it's memes. Useless though. for actual political yeah. discourse. 
And this brings us to the question of the scientific distinction between socialism and communism, on which Engels so touched in his above-quoted argument about the incorrectness of the name social democrat. Politically, the distinction between the first or lower and the higher phase of communism will in time probably be tremendous, but it would be ridiculous to recognize this distinction now under capitalism, and only individual anarchists perhaps could invest it with primary importance. God damn, it never gets old. It's never not right. If there are still people among the anarchists who have learned nothing from the Plakhanov conversion of the Kropotkins, Grave, Cornelius, and, and other stars of anarchism into social chauvinists or anarcho-trenchists, as Guy, one of the few anarchists who still preserved a sense of humor and a conscience, has put it. But the scientific distinction between socialism and communism is clear. What is usually called socialism was turned by Marx the first or lower phase of communist society. Insofar as the means of production become common property, the word communism is also applicable here, providing we do not forget that it is not complete communism. Words matter. Know what you're defining. Know what you're talking yeah, about. Socialism is not like big social programs. Socialism is not the fucking army. <laughs> F.D. Got that picture going around where it's like, like oh, FDR Teddy was a socialist. And Teddy no, Rose Teddy, fuck FDR at least. Come on, you can understand, Teddy, yeah. the Rough Rider. Yeah, just just remember, just remember that they cited national parks. National parks oh are my. a specific such tool white of ethnic bullshit. Just God, a specific tool of ethnic cleansing. Get high and hang out with Ansel Adams for a weekend, and all of a sudden you're a fucking socialist, apparently. God, yeah, fuck I yourself. Mean, National Park is literally like we pretended that there's a such thing as untouched nature, which literally erases indigenous people and all the lands that we eradicate them off of. And so we want to preserve this untouched nature. Never let the people live there that know how to live in there. Eradicate them and leave untouched nature. And then shove them on these reserves that, like we said, are little Gazas with less bombs and more oil pipelines. God, yeah, we said that in this episode. Yeah, Feels like last week, but we said it. <laughs> the great significance of Marx's explanation here is that he consistently applies materialist dialectics, the theory of development, and regards communism as something that develops out of capitalism. Instead of scholastically invented, concocted definitions and fruitless disputes over words, what is socialism? What is communism? What is the state? He didn't say that. I did. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm going to get murdered by anarchists. Marx gives the fucking... Bl I work with a Serbian girl and I love her to death, but she's sending the black hand for me. I mean, I am going to get Archduke Franz Ferdinand very hard when I go into work next. It is not going to end well. Uh, Marx gives an analysis of what might be called the stages of the economic maturity of communism. Again, don't get caught up on fucking bullshit definitions and, and meaningless debates about you know, isms and stuff like that. Go, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to accomplish? What are the what are the terms that are important for that? And and who is identify who the who the enemy is, who your who your allies are, and then go forward. Stop! Stop sitting here and having, you know, eighteen factions of leftism sitting around debate. I mean, again, it's you know, find the Bolsheviks in the group, get with them, let's go. And by Bolsheviks, I don't necessarily mean actual Bolsheviks. That'd be kind of weird if they called themselves that nowadays. Just find whoever your majority is that's actually in tune with what the population wants, and fucking let's go. 
Let's get it gone. The people saying actually sees that shit. If if there's you know some indigenous nation that comes out and seizes land and everybody goes, oh, that's not how we should go about it. And there's a group of, of Marxists that goes, fucking do that. Hell yeah. <laughs> get with those guys. Let's ride. Yeah, that's right. In its first phase or stage, communism cannot as yet be fully economically mature and entirely free from the traditions or vestiges of capitalism. Hence, the interesting phenomenon that communism in its first phase retains the narrow horizon of bourgeois law. Of course, bourgeois law in regard to the distribution of consumer goods inevitably presupposes the existence of the bourgeois state. For law is nothing without an apparatus capable of enforcing the observance of the rules of law. It follows that under communism, there remains for a time not only bourgeois law, but even the bourgeois state without the bourgeoisie. God, it's possible, really. It's a thing. It exists. This may sound like a paradox or simply a dialectical conundrum of which Marxism is often accused by people who have not taken the slightest study, trouble to study its extraordinarily profound content. You didn't have to say extraordinarily profound. You could have just... He likes to. I know. Come on, dude. Let it know. Just say what it is. This is the bullshit they call when they haven't actually read the book. But in fact, remnants of the old surviving in the new confront us in life at every step which is the materialist part of the dialectics. We're not just doing this in theory. Look around. Uh, Marx did not arbitrarily insert a scrap of bourgeois law into communism, but indicated what is economically and politically inevitable in a society emerging out of the womb of capitalism. Democracy is of enormous importance to the working class in its struggle against the capitalists for its emancipation. But democracy is by no means a boundary not to be overstepped. It is only one of the stages on the road from feudalism to capitalism and from capitalism to communism. Hard stop. I mean, I was hard stopping anyway, but yeah. Good. Uh, So two things. First off, the last thing you read, since we're on it. Uh, democracy is of enormous importance to the working class in a struggle against capitalists for its emancipation, but is no means a boundary not to be overstepped. I don't know how many times I have to go over this with people, but it has to be clear, okay? If you have a tool to accomplish a goal, the second you put the tool above the goal, you done fucked up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, chives. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, it is what it is. You cannot fight for the tool. You have the tool to accomplish the goal. You should fight for the goal, and you can fight for the tool on the way. Okay, so you, you can't put the tool ahead of the goal. Hey, is it weird that all of a sudden David sounded way better? <laughs> is it weird that we just remi- uh, remembered that uh, our microphone has multiple settings, and I had it on the one where you just heard me, yeah. because apparently I am that level of narcissist? Uh, yeah, that's a thing. That's real. <laughs> Uh, David David has not been sitting in the corner whispering like a higher Juco girl. Um, he is he is in fact here, ready to go, yes. ready to rock. Uh, sorry, that one's on Nathan. Nathan will take that L. <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, moving on because whatever, <laughs> because we don't need to highlight any more of Nathan's gross Just failures. Not, not a big deal. Uh, so anyway, uh, the other thing I'd like to say, and I love this, is you know. Um, when Nathan talks about, or Nathan talks about, God damn it! See what you just did, in my brain. When Lennon talks about, no, no, no! Please give me credit for what Lennon said, please, <laughs> please, please. When Lennon talks about, you know, you can write a law all day, but without a state apparatus to enforce the law, what fucking good is it? We talked about that, you know, with the idea that like the Supreme Court will save us and the legislative branch and division of power is like, who has the fucking army? 
Right. I mean, the only reason the only reason that the president can't just straight up go obvious dictator is because he doesn't want the public to attack him because we really have the power. Uh, But so long as we trust the government to have the power, he could really do whatever the fuck he wants that doesn't slight the public quite to revolution. And they do that. I mean, they basically create laws as a presidential, uh, what do you call it? Like where you executive just, order, executive orders, uh, they veto laws, they send the army wherever the fuck they want, you know? And so it's like one of those things, like we talked about where you don't have to worry about stuff, you know, we should end this idea that presidents can go to war anywhere without having to declare war, uh, the war on terror stuff that's out there right now. Yeah, I forget Patriot the name Act. Of the Patriot Act. Um, you know, that they could just go anywhere, but why even fight that? Just fight the whole goddamn military industrial complex and the intelligence in the state. Because I tell you what, the CIA was crashing fucking countries before 9-11 happened. How the hell do you think the Mujahideen got empowered to become Al-Qaeda and knock fucking buildings over? How do you think we pulled off the 73 coup before God there was a 9-11? It. It's important, guys. I love the letter P. It means I, a it, lot to it, me. Apparently. It's part of my identity. It's, it's a literal much, part of my last name. It's actually, it's actual. It's factually accurate. <laughs> it is initial of mine. So, but those are those are the two things I want to touch on in the stopping point. Yeah, democracy is a form of the state, one of its varieties. Consequently, like every state, it represents on the one hand the organized systemic use of force against persons. On the other hand, it signifies the formal recognition of equality of citizens, the equal right of all to determine the structure of and to administer the state. This in turn results in the fact that at a certain stage in the development of democracy, it first welds together the class that wages a revolutionary struggle against capitalism, the proletariat, and enables it to crush, smash to atoms, wipe off the face of the earth, the bourgeoisie, even the Republican bourgeoisie state machine, the standing army, the police, and the bureaucracy, and to substitute for them a more democratic state machine. But a state machine, nevertheless, in the shape of armed workers who proceed to form a militia involving the entire population. But if you do that horizontally and you don't call it a state, it's anarchist. Here, quantity turns into quality. Such a degree of democracy implies overstepping the boundaries of bourgeois society and beginning its socialist reorganization. If really all take part in the administration of the state, capitalism just can't retain its hold. The development of capitalism, in turn, creates the preconditions that enable really all to take part in the administration of the state. Some of these preconditions are universal literacy, which has already been achieved in a number of the most advanced capitalist countries, then the training and disciplining of millions of workers by the huge, complex, socialized apparatus of the postal system, postal service, railways, big factories, large-scale commerce, banking, etc., etc. This is part of why we Marx and Engels and Lenin and... But, Recognize that you had to get to capitalism first before you transition. It's why you saw rapid industrialization served more than one goal. What did it? Did it get you the functional means of things to do? Did it get you the items and the stuff and the yeah? But capitalism, by its nature, kind of hyper conditions a workforce to be a certain kind of thing. What they what they use that conditioning for is a whole other matter. And if you can transition that into a much more egalitarian, a much more democratic form of, of turning that conditioning kind of against itself, go for it. But it, it, we are trained to be able to do these tasks 
that the state requires doing. These kind of things that used to require some specialized guy to go to Super Napoleon school and, and, and learn how to be a, a civil servant. If you're fucking file paperwork at your job, congratulations. You're you're the civil servant. You you you've you've done it. If you showed up with your phone in 1700s France, you you uh, you would put every civil servant out of jobs. Yeah, I mean, let's be very clear in what he's talking about too. I mean, you're talking about organizing masses and functioning a society. We've all trained to do it. We're not talking about like living alone on a farm and and you know grazing fields. Maybe anarcho primitivists are. Yeah. <laughs> Which are not anarchocriticalists. No, double David Bird. Anyway, uh, so but you know, I mean, we're not talking about you know people just just making their little like little house on the prairie plantation stuff. We're talking about serious organized societies cooperating together and accomplishing goals and following leadership and creating leadership and having input and all these things are things that people you know can learn in the workplace. Uh, Without that, think about what the Enlightenment revolutions were, right? They were back-and-forth battles between military hierarchies and essentially lawyers because military hierarchies learned discipline. They learned organization, and they had the power of force. Lawyers knew how to write laws. They learned how to, carrying out laws works. They learned how to you talk, know, fool good. The, talk good and fool the public and convince people. And so they were the only ones trained to handle a state, and they kind of went back and forth for control until someone came out on top. That's how all Enlightenment revolutions are. The Enlightenment revolutions were... 1700s West Wing cosplayers versus Call of Duty LARPers. Yes. <laughs> and you can see it from Napoleon. Big brain. You can Give me it. that big brain meme, boys. Bust it out, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I mean, you it's can all see- making sense now. You can see it clearly in Mexico. You can see it clearly in France. You could, I mean, that's just how they worked. So, you know, with workers organizing in a workspace force, uh, with division of labor, you know, under capitalism, and especially industrialization, people can learn to work together, to cooperate, to make these products, uh, to take on leadership roles when necessary, to follow leadership roles when necessary. You know, I mean, all these things you kind of learn from cooperative work and from division of labor. Again, if your job has a manager, an assistant manager... You've got you y'all know. You understand how to, a hierarchy. Hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, you understand a hierarchy, and you understand how to how to fucking delegate tasks and shit like that. Like again, all of this stuff that seems like super super complex and like nec- isn't. It's just not. It. I mean, again, if if Kim Davis can be a public administrator, it, it, it obviously is not a task that requires a gargantuan <laughs> level of, of skill or expertise. It just, it just isn't. There's a callback for you, ladies and gentlemen. I know. I think most people forgot That's about That's a deep dive. I will never, never forget. I can't sign your marriage Never license. forget. Never, ever forget. You guys both have the pain. And that is, it, 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 when you talk about, uh, and again, I, I am going to plug because I can't. I'm, I'm going to do a plug and an unplug here, um, uh, it, which is new for me. Um, if you want to learn more about how fucking awful liberal uh, lawyers and the people that think like that and think that that's a solid way of thinking are, um, go listen to West Wing Thing. It's a podcast. Oh, it has, God. It has three episodes out. It, oh, God. It is very good. Have you listened to any of it? I have not listened I to any of it. I would. It's very, it is a, it is a great, it is a good modern dunk on, uh, it is all dunking on modern day liberals. It is, it is Dave Anthony, it is Dave of the Dollop and the guy who wrote A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen, uh, uh, going through every episode of the West Wing, episode I, by episode. I, I, I believe dunking on the West Wing is good and, yes. and a good thing to do. 
do and very easy. I also trust Dave to do it. I don't want to sit through anything associated with the West Wing, even dunking on it. I know, but it I is, don't want to hear it about it existing terrifying. Ever again. This show is terrifying. Aaron Sorkin is a goddamn sociopath. Oh, yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. And it's super important that you realize... And again, it's like fun to dunk on it. And it's fun to like, like again, like, oh, it's trash. Get rid of it. What's terrifying and what you re- we do really need to take seriously. And that's why I do think it's important to understand it. Like almost as like a, like a history textbook sort of. So many fucking people in, especially in Obama's government and White House. Mm-hmm. Watch that show and openly admit that that show is what got them into that. That created the way they think politics and the people that just watched it. The bougie resistance put on a vagina hat. People think that's how fucking government one does work or two should work. And that's terrifying when you actually watch that show because oh, holy yeah. It's terrifying fuck. that any person can have that much influence. I mean, that's propaganda to a T. Uh, but it's also terrifying that it's Aaron fucking Sorkin. Yeah. So again, that I, I will give it that. My undunk, uh, don't ever, 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 ever just... D- d- they got better. If you want to learn about move... Listen to the uh, RevLess episode that they just did, I think this week, on Move and the Move bombing. Uh, burn the do- The fact that the dollop hasn't taken that episode down is concerning to me. So don't let it ever be said that I will not kill my darlings here. That is atrocious and that I, I don't, I mean, I, again, I, I get, leave it up for its, that, that episode should be burned to the ground. That is a very, very, very bad reactionary take on... Uh, on, on a very important part of history. That, that oh, yeah. I, the move bombing is something that a lot of people... There's a fucking Rizzo statue up in Philadelphia still. I think if they had... I, I want to say that if they had the ability to do it over, they would do it differently. Because, again, the way they did Andrew Jackson on episode 10 and the way they did their whole expose on Andrew Jackson, the, their whole episode about Andrew Jackson, I mean, night and day. I mean, one of them was was kind of herky-derky joking about um, Native American Holocaust, and the other one very clearly was like, this guy's a fucking the devil. Um, so hopefully they would have done that. But again, I would, at this point, that fucking episode should come down. The John Africa move episode needs to come down hard. It's, it's bad. So that, that is my admitting that I, that nobody is pure. Everyone is going to have shitty ass takes. Back from mitigating other podcasts to Lennon. <laughs> Don't try and fucking segue me. I am the unsegwayable. But this Factory discipline, which the proletariat, after defeating the capitalists, after overthrowing the exploiters, will extend to the whole of society, is by no means our ideal. Guys, just because you have a manager and an assistant manager at work, like, doesn't mean that's what we want. Like, that's not ideal. That's not great. I don't I don't want Chick-fil-A, but for government. Like, that's not my goal here. <laughs> um, it is only a necessary step for thoroughly cleansing society of all the infamies and abominations of capitalist exploitation and for further progress. We're going to take this further. We're going to keep pushing. From the moment all members of society, or at least the vast majority, have learned to administer the state themselves, have taken this work into their own hands, have organized control over the insignificant capitalist minority, over the gentry who wish to preserve their capitalist habits, and over the workers who have been thoroughly corrupted by capitalism, which there will be. There will be people that should be in the... I think this is what Marx referred to when he said some peasants. Like, uh, There's always 
going to be... Oh, we know there's poor reactionaries. There is not... Exactly. There is not going to be homogenous blobs. Yeah, I mean, this idea, and I hate literally calling poor people trash, but this redneck trailer trash idea of the redneck trailer trash racist is like, like, look, we get it. It's not the people in trailer parks that are racist. It's the super rich people creating and maintaining that structure. But you can't tell me you can't go to a trailer park and find a racist dude, too. No. You yeah, know. no, you you know, you can. You can. I drive behind some of them. All, right. On the yeah, absolutely. To to work. It's worrisome. Um, from the moment all members of society have learned to administer themselves and have taken the work into their own hands, have administered over the capitalist minority uh, and over the gentry that wish to preserve and the workers who have been thoroughly corrupted by capitalism, that's them. We're back. Kulaks. From this moment, the need for government of any kind begins to disappear altogether. The more complete the democracy, the nearer the moment when it becomes unnecessary. The more democratic the state that consists of the armed workers and is no longer a state in the proper sense of the word, the more rapidly every form of state begins to wither away. From when all have learned to manage and independently are actually managing social production for themselves independently keeping accounts and exercising control over the parasites, the sons of the wealthy, the swindlers, and other guardians of capitalist traditions escape from this popular accounting and control will inevitably become so incredibly difficult, such a rare exception, and probably accompanied by such swift and severe punishment, for the armed workers are practical men and not sentimental intellectuals that will scarcely allow anyone to trifle with them. Hey, Fuck with uh, old school union bosses and see what happens, guys. Yeah. Uh, just, just out of curiosity. <laughs> that the necessity of observing the simple fundamental rules of the community will soon become a habit. Then the door will be thrown wide open for the transition from the first phase of communist society to its higher phase. And with it, the complete withering away of the state. And that is how you end a chapter. That. It's, if there is one thing Lenin knows how to do, it's End a chapter. He was a very, very good writer because, yeah, because uh, even in chapter six, a chapter that uh, that that I like, but I kind of lose the thread a little bit in the middle, and and thankfully you're going to be dragging me along that thread to get me there this time. But uh, but yeah, even that he he comes in strong at the end of that one too. So yeah. that being said, chapter five, guys, it was fun. It was long. Uh, the the timer says two hours, but uh, it'll be less. Uh, this will be the most edited episode of this goddamn <laughs> podcast ever. I don't envy the work ahead of us now. Thankfully, we have a couple weeks till it happens. We don't envy ourselves. We don't envy ourselves, and we've absolutely <laughs> dated this because if you go back to what game one of the fucking <laughs> yeah. conference playoffs is, you know when we recorded, guys. Um, so that being said, I, that's all I got this week. David, you got anything? That's it. Bye. Bye.